The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. It seems that the last few Gospel lessons have lent themselves to themes of parenting including the one I just read. You heard about the expectation of a child by Mary and Elizabeth, and we heard about the birth of the Prince of Peace as we read read again the Christmas story. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, laid to rest in a manger, angels startling shepherds in the hills, shepherds leaving their flocks to see this baby, and then upon seeing him, returning to their flock, sharing the good news with everyone they see. And Mary, quietly treasuring the words of the shepherds and holding that moment in her heart. Today, in our reading, Jesus is 12, the baby left far behind. It is Passover, and the family has headed to Jerusalem. Luke, the careful chronicler of the ministry of Jesus and the birth of the church has included here a story that highlights the worst parenting moment of Mary and Joseph. Now certainly the crux of the story is found at the end when we we get revealed to all of us that Jesus is both divine and human. He was the model for all humans even as a child, which was a lesson that my parents used to teach me that I must be obedient to them, just like Jesus was obedient to his parents. Now, it's easy for parents to compare their children to other children, and I often did that when I was raising my son. I think, I was doing an awesome job as a parent, but I would also be very envious of those parents who could shush their children in church with just a glance. Because every time I gave a glance to my child, it meant that he was gonna do something that was even worse than what he was doing then. (laughs) 
but I really believe to compare a child to Jesus is a bit much. So in today's reading, we're left wondering how Mary and Joseph could have lost their 12-year-old boy, the son of God, a precious child, not for a few minutes, not for an hour, but for three days. On Jesus' day, a family would have traveled to and from Jerusalem in a caravan. It was the safest way to manage the dangers that thieves and murderers posed in the hills along the way. And it would have been natural for a boy approaching 13, the entrance to manhood, to travel not with his parents, but with his friends. So Mary and Joseph would have assumed that Jesus was safe with his friends from Nazareth during the day. And as they started the journey home, that would have been what they expected. But as night approached and families started to gather together, Jesus was not to be found. A day's journey by foot and no Jesus. So the next day, Mary and Joseph make the dangerous trek back to Jerusalem without the caravan. I can imagine them searching on the side of the road for the body of Jesus, and them getting excited every time they didn't see him, but more and more nervous as they approach Jerusalem without having any idea of where he might be. Then there's that frantic search in the city. Three days, and there he is in the temple. Now I want you also to imagine the shame of Mary and Joseph. They have lost their son, not just their son, but God's son. And here they find him in the temple. And this is where Mary displays that she is not the meek and mild Mary that we, we tend to think about. She is bold. She enters where women are not allowed and scolds Jesus in front of men. His response was not that obedient. He rebuked her in front of the teachers and Joseph in a way that I can only imagine a preteen would do. Why were you searching for me? I'm here where I'm supposed to be. But without further ado, he obediently returns to Nazareth with them, and Mary holds the moment in her heart. But why? Why would she treasure this moment, a moment of shame and fear and loss, a moment of confusion and disobedience of a child? Why this moment? What is there to treasure in this? I seldom share stories about my son without his approval, and we've talked about this over the past week, so I'm going to share two stories. One of them he doesn't remember, and the other one he remembers too clearly. I lost him twice, and neither one is a moment that I treasure in my heart. In fact, both are moments in my life that I wish I could erase. 
Both of them made me feel like I was the worst parent ever. The first time was when he was three years old. And we were stationed in Minot, North Dakota. It was fall, which meant it was below freezing. And I had been working six day weeks because this was after 9-11 and the majority of our chapel staff was deployed uh, in Afghanistan fighting um, Al-Qaeda. Well, they weren't fighting, but they were supporting the troops. So I would get one day off. And on my day off, I grabbed the child and we drove the 30 minutes that it took from Minot Base to downtown Minot to go shopping at Target which was about the most exciting thing you could do in Minot, North Dakota. It was conveniently attached to the mall. It wasn't standalone. And we decided to make a day of it, which meant that we left before lunch. We ate lunch in the food court, a big exciting thing for him. And then I let him play in this little fenced off area they had that was like a toddler play area. It had a really small slide and a few toddler, like a little house or something, and he loved it. I let him play for about an hour, and then I told him it was time to go on with the shopping because I had some things I needed to get done. But he would have none of it. And I went into the play area, and we played run away from mom until mom caught him, and I carried him out. Once we were out of there, he wriggled out of my arms and ran. And it wasn't long before I lost sight of him. I headed in the direction he was headed in, but I could not find him. So I retraced my steps, looked under the tables in the food court, looked again in the play area, traveled up and down the mall, but my son was not in sight, and that's when I panicked. I was angry at him, I was crying, I was ashamed. Every worst case scenario of kidnapped children was going through my mind. I was hot and tired because I was wearing winter gear. So I dumped the winter jackets just on a bench and started to look for him even more. And after 15 minutes, which felt like hours, of extreme anxiety, I went to the mall center and asked for him to be paged. And I sat down and I waited, and after 10 minutes, he still had not appeared, and my anxiety began to ratchet up higher and higher, and then I did the most frightening thing I could do, which was to admit to my husband that I had lost the child. I called him and, he, and told him what had happened, and he listened to me, and then he berated me for my lack of parenting skills as I cried. I had lost my precious child. It was a child I had waited too many years for and too many expensive infertility treatments to have, and that miracle child was gone. When I had given up all hope of finding him and was ready to go to the police, after I had had an earful from my husband, I caught sight of him. And I ran to him and I gathered him up in my arms and I hugged him tightly. And he looked at me and asked me why I was crying. And that's when I let him have it. <laughs> I 
like Mary, I told him, I had been searching for you and you caused me this terrible anxiety and you have ruined the day. I blamed everything on him. And his reply was, but I was playing hide and seek with you. And I can hide really well. Oh, yes, you can. I never hit my child, and I didn't that day, but I really wanted to. And he started to get upset because I wasn't going to play with him anymore. And I said, we are going home, and we are going home right now. And I'm crying, and he starts crying and screaming and yelling, and I'm carrying him sideways out to the car thinking everybody must think I'm just an awful parent, but we are going home. I blamed him for preventing me from getting needed shopping done. It was probably the worst parenting moment of my life. And I would like to say that he, like Jesus, was the most obedient child after that. But that would not be the truth. And I would like to say that, like Mary, I treasured this moment in my heart, but that would also not be the truth. The moment pains me to this day. I remember it vividly. I wish I could erase it from my memory. Now, the second time I lost him was about two years ago. And he was having a miserable senior year in high school. And I was pushing him to enjoy it. He decided to loosen the reins in hopes that he would be able to remember his senior year fondly. The year his mother let him grow gracefully into adulthood. He was trusted to be home alone when I traveled. And he was trusted to spend weekends with his friends. It was one of the mothers of a friend who called me on a Saturday night, past when I had expected him to come home. She asked me to come over as quickly as possible. And then I found myself wondering, what has happened? Is he sick? Is he hurt? And that pit of the stomach feeling that I'd had when he was little settled in again. It was the same panic when I lost him in the mall. And when I arrived at their house, he was sitting at the dining room table, and I thought, oh, okay, everything's okay. And I let out a sigh of relief. But things didn't seem quite right, and he seemed to be babbling and not making much sense, and I know it was not drugs, and I know it was not alcohol. What it was, was depression. And he had been fighting this depression off and on throughout the fall, but he was not winning, and the depression took root. And finally, he admitted to both of us that he wanted to die, and he had a plan. Four hours later, after a trip to the emergency room, we admitted him into an inpatient treatment facility. And at that moment, I felt like my son was lost forever. And I was certain I would not be able to find him again. I was anxious and angry. Angry at him for getting lost to his depression and angry at myself for not noticing he was so depressed. Well, fortunately, the doctors were good and he has received help along the way. I am ashamed of my parenting skills and ashamed of his depression. 
And I still panic when I don't hear from him or when I sense that he is enveloped again in that deep darkness. I want him so much to be safe and happy. And I continually fear the darkness that tends to surround him from time to time. His depression, his hospitalization was another moment I do not treasure in my heart. I understand when I read the story of Mary and Joseph losing Jesus just how afraid, ashamed, and angry they were. And I understand their relief when they found him. And I believe that Mary treasured this bad parenting moment in her heart, not because it indicated the divine nature of Jesus, but because she knew that a sword would pierce her heart. She knew that she would need this treasure when her son would be crucified in front of her eyes. And she needed to remember that Jesus told her that she could always find him in his father's house. For many, this time of year is one of joy and celebration, but it also can be a time of great anxiety and pain. It is a moment when we celebrate the birth of a baby who brings peace to the earth, our Savior. And it is a time when we feel the deep sorrow of loss, the physical or emotional loss of a loved one more than ever. It is both a time of joy and a time of great sadness for many of us. It is a time of celebrating triumph and a time of trying to forget failure. I don't know how I would have handled everything if I had not found my son that first time I lost him. I may have fallen into a deep despair. This is also very true of the second time I lost him. In both cases, I may not have forgiven myself. In both cases, I would have continued to look for him whether through remembering or seeking. But here's the good news of the gospel lesson today. Part of it is the reminder that Jesus is divine and human, that he is God with us. But the most important part of it is that as people of faith, having nurtured our children in faith, if we lose them, we will eventually find them in our Father's house. Maybe not sitting in the pew next to us, maybe not in the altar rail in front of us, but in the future ahead of us. This is what Jesus reminded his parents of when the last place they looked was the temple. If this time of year seems darkest to you, know that there is a light of hope and treasure it in your heart. Be assured that Jesus is in his Father's house, and that he loves us dearly and has prepared a room in that house for each and every one of us. And in that house, we will find the ones we have lost. Amen.